I'm Vincent Williams. I'm Len Webb. And we are your hosts of The Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every Black film ever made. This is our podcast documentary, The Class of 1989. 1989 was an important year in film when Hollywood would change forever thanks to six films about race. Some are obvious, like Do the Right Thing, Harlem Nights, and Glory. A few might surprise you, like A Dry White Season, Lean on Me, and Driving Miss Daisy. Join us as we explore what happened and what changed because of the class of 1989. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege and honor to officially introduce for the first time graduating class of... There's only one boss in this place, and that's me, the HNIC. Much a matter what happens tomorrow, I'm going to blow your pinky toe Oh, now you're going to shoot me in my pinky toe. You need to show Lord, no. tell you the story right hand, left hand, good and evil. Hate, love, these five things, they go straight to the soul of man. March 26, 1990, at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles, California, and all of Hollywood is gathered to honor the best films of 1989 at the 62nd Academy Awards Ceremony, more commonly known as the Oscars. The host for the occasion is comedian Billy Crystal, in the first of his nine times at the podium, second only to Bob Hope's 19 in most ceremonies hosted. The job is a delicate one, especially the opening monologue where the host pokes holes in the pomposity of the event, while at the same time showing deference to the cavalcade of stars assembled in the auditorium. Very eclectic group that we have tonight, beginning with the lovely Miss Jessica Tandy. She, of course, was nominated for Driving Miss Daisy, the movie that apparently directed itself. And... <laughs> What's amazing is, at 80 years of age, but on the other end of the age spectrum is the great filmmaker, Mr. Spike Lee, whose, whose breakthrough film, Do the Right Thing, is nominated for Best Original Screenplay tonight, based on an idea of Art Buckwald's. But you know, I'm kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It was Andy Rooney. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, and oh yeah, he's got to be funny. The band loved it. <laughs> Look at him. The 1990 Oscars were something else, weren't they? The nominees for Best Picture were Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poets Society, Field of Dreams, My Left Foot, and Driving Miss Daisy. Now, Driving Miss Daisy won. And I know at this point someone is saying, why do y'all insist this is a black film? Why don't you consider Field of Dreams a black film? It featured James Earl Jones. Well, we consider a black film one where if you take the black people out, you can have the film. So if you take James Earl Jones out of Field of Dreams and replace him with, say, Lee Majors, it's pretty much the same film. But if we replace Morgan Freeman, with Daniel Day-Lewis or Jeremy Irons, you get a very different film in Driving Miss Daisy. 
So we're saying that's what makes it a black film. So in 1991, Whoopi Goldberg will win Best Supporting Actress in Ghost. And she did a great job. But Kathy Bates, Angelica Houston, or Meryl Streep would have killed that role just as well. So Ghost is not a black movie. So Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture, and we're happy to claim that as a black film. Well, I wouldn't go that far. The problem is, looking backwards from 2023, most people would agree that Do the Right Thing was a much better film made for less money with a less experienced cast and crew. And it's a film that changed cinema. Don't take our word for it. Let's hear from acclaimed actor-director Bill Duke. In 1989 is this great flashpoint where we're, and this has been something we've talked about over and over again, we're driving Miss Daisy wins the Best Picture Academy Award and Do the Right Thing isn't even nominated. Did you feel like this was a slight at the time? I, th I think in 2022, the legacy of it maybe, but I was just wondering as someone who was there. I thought it was a statement. A, a statement by whom in saying what? Well, you know, there are boxes you're expected to stay in. And why are you jumping out of that box? <laughs> <laughs> With both feet. With both. <laughs> That's right. Here's critic Tim Cogshell. When we talk about driving the Daisy in juxtaposition to Spike Lee's film, Do the Right Thing, which came mm -hmm. out in the same year, yes. well, then, we have, then we have to have a different conversation about driving the Daisy. You know, it won. She won. Uh, Spike was not nominated for Best Picture, not nominated for Best Director. Uh, was nominated for Best Screenplay, didn't win. Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, and that's a problem. And now I've got a problem with Driving Miss Daisy because that's insane right, right. there. All of that's crazy. All of that's crazy. Uh, but I, I guess it's indicative of where we still were in 1989, um, where we weren't quite over that hump yet. Um, it, it, I think it's amazing that a film like like Do the Right Thing, um, you know, in 1989 was even understood by that academy, because that was that that was a real old white academy. But but Spike had won a student academy award, so it's not like the academy was unfamiliar with the with the filmmaker Spike Lee, right? Uh, and um, and 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 of course, the Spike, had, you know, both both uh, she's got to have it and. Uh, school days. So I think the Academy understood that there was something about this filmmaker and this film do the right thing that they had to, you know, recognize somehow. Uh, but uh, not nominated for Best Director, not nominated for Best Picture, nominated for Best Screenplay, but didn't win. And on top of that, the film that did win is Driving Miss Daisy. I mean, this is this is almost, you know, schizophrenic uh, in terms of the Academy. It's almost schizophrenic. Uh, uh, and, you know, uh, people say Spike got snubbed, and I say, yeah. Philadelphia reporter and media professor Denise James has her own thoughts about why Driving Miss Daisy was the Academy's choice. To me, that reflected what the people who were involved in the Academy were comfortable with. They were not comfortable with being challenged in a film with issues that we dealt with every single day. They were more comfortable with the period piece that they could convince themselves 
was yesterday's news. And aren't we glad that we're past that? How did I feel at that time? I was angry, not surprised. You know, I, I'm an optimist, so I always hope that maybe this is the time. So I was, I was pretty disgusted that it didn't garner any awards. And, you know, it's only been recently that they actually treat Spike like he knows what he's doing, that he's iconic in his way of making films, that he's influenced other people's filmmaking. How many films do you see now that have that moving shot where the world is moving past you or the leaning up that we saw in school days of the bell, you know, wake up, the wake up bell. And I think part of the reason he got, he was shunned is because he spoke his mind. Whether he's sitting courtside at the Knicks or he's making a film. So I was really bothered by the disparity in what would be awarded for great work and what wouldn't. Both were good films. Just because Driving Miss Daisy wasn't my favorite because I didn't, I just didn't enjoy the ride, pun intended. It still was a well-made film, a well-acted film. So I'm not saying that those actors aren't, weren't deserved of awards, but I'm, I, you cannot convince me that the reason Do the Right Thing was overlooked was because of its subject matter, because of the discomfort of dealing with that. Right. And because Spike Dare dare to make a film like that. Spike wasn't the only story of that award season. Danny Aiello was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. So it's not that the Academy didn't watch the film. They just really identified with the poor Italian restaurant owner. Mookie. Say, no, still what? How come you got no brothers up on the wall? Man, ask Sal, right? Hey, hey, Sal, how come you got no brothers up on the wall here? You want brothers on the wall? Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. You can put your brothers and uncles and nieces and nephews, your stepfather, stepmother, whoever you want, you see? But this is my pizzeria. American Italians on the wall only. Take it easy, huh? And you, hey. It doesn't age well, does it? No, it doesn't. We should recognize Morgan Freeman was nominated for Best Actor for Driving Miss Daisy, and Jessica Tandy won Best Actress, as well as Driving Miss Daisy winning the Best Picture Award. And the Oscar goes to Driving Miss Daisy, Richard Dizanik, Willie So does this mean that Driving Miss Daisy was the best film of the year and it was all Jessica Tandy's doing? Like Morgan was just all right. He didn't crash when he was driving. <laughs> but he did win Outstanding Leading Actor at the NAACP Awards for Lean On Me. Take out your pencils and write. I want the name, Mary Hoodlum, drug dealer, and miscreant on my desk by noon today. Lean On Me also won the NAACP's Outstanding Motion Picture. But Joe Clark was only crazy about one thing, the kids he cared about. You mess up just once, and you're out of here. I'll help you carry on. You are here for one reason, one reason only, to learn. Best Picture nomination and an NAACP award. Not a bad year. He'd been nominated the year before as a supporting actor in Street Smart, and he'd be nominated in 1995 for Best Leading Actor in Shawshank Redemption. Wait, wait, wait. Wasn't that the movie about the white character played by Tim Robbins? Listen, listen, listen. This is Hollywood magic. Don't at me. 
he would finally win in 2004 for Best Supporting Actor in Million Dollar Baby. And then he was nominated again in 2010 for playing Morgan Freeman in Invictus. What is your philosophy on leadership? How do you inspire your team to do that? Um, the character he played was Nelson Mandela. But yeah, it does seem to be the role he was born to play. So why was the movie about a white rugby team? Look, we'll get into all that in our episode, How Did 89 Change Cinema? So we'll be talking about The Help and Green Book? Oh God, I hope not. Harlem Knights would go on to be nominated for Best Costume at the Oscars and Worst Director, and it would win Worst Screenplay at the Razzies. So it beat out Samurai Cop, Cyborg, Roadhouse? It probably cost the budget of all of them combined. That's fair. And we must recognize a dry white season directed by Usain Palsy. Mayori Holmes of Black Star Film Festival. I believe it's the first time a Black woman is nominated for an Oscar as director. So that's a big deal. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, definitely should be on this list. And, you know, it's nominated for an Oscar. So, you know, it's a big film period, but then also because of Usain Palsy's, um, you know, sort of glass shattering of glass at that time of the glass ceiling features Marlon Brando. It's set in South Africa, thinking about apartheid, which is also, of course, a huge political issue at this time. It's an important film. I'm almost ashamed to say this film wasn't even on our radar when we started this project. Special thanks to director of photography and cinematographer Michelle Crenshaw for putting it on our list. Uzayn Palsy was like my first female, even though she grew up in Martinique in France. She did this film called Sugarcane Alley, and I saw that at a film festival, fell in love with it. And then she did this film in 89, since you're talking about 1989. Uh, you, should check, you should check out Dry Right Season. There's some huge players in there, but you just have to watch it. Ms. Palsy would go on to direct a few other films. Before director, as brilliant and effective as she is, it's clear she didn't get the shots in Hollywood deserving of someone of her capabilities. Marlon Brando would be nominated for Best Supporting Actor in her film. Unfortunately, she's not remembered for that because Brando would lose to a young, bright up-and-comer named Denzel Washington. And the Oscar goes to... Denzel Washington and Glory. Oh, 45 seconds, right. I want to thank the Academy. And God bless you, my mother. I love you. My beautiful wife, Pauletta. The kids, my son said he was going to make one out of these, make one of these out of clay for me. Now I got the model for him. <laughs> I'd also like to, to, to pay homage to the, the 54th, the black soldiers who helped to make this country free. Bobby Booker 
of WRTI. With Denzel Washington, whom I was already a little gaga over him, that's when I was won completely over by Denzel. Just mm -hmm. the, the performance was powerful. The story was also one that um, while we see uh, so many of these stories now more so in the mainstream that tell uh, uh, those chapters of our, our history, um, in, in that era, that was rare. Um, now, there were always documentaries and the smaller things that it was mm -hmm. a story I was familiar with, mm -hmm. but I really enjoyed seeing it play out. It, it, it hurt my heart. It was, right. it's, it's, a, it's a tough movie to watch. And I've probably watched it three times and I know it was, you know, let's say winter snowstorm and I couldn't leave, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's not a movie I pull for my Black History Moment update, that's for sure. But I, I would still suggest anyone to see that movie once. Glory would also go on to win Best Cinematography, Best Sound, Best Art Direction, and Film Editing. And of the films we're looking at, it had a middling budget of $18 million, compared to $31 million for Lean On Me and $30 million for Harlem Nights. But it trumps the $6 million for Do the Right Thing and the $7.5 million for Driving Miss Daisy. So by any measure... Glory is a very, very good film that holds up to this day, mostly. But for all the awards it won, it wasn't nominated for Best Picture either. You think it was a better film than Driving Miss Daisy? I'm not a voting member of the Academy, but yes, yes, I do. Better than Do the Right Thing? I think Do the Right Thing was more powerful and affecting, but you can clearly tell one is a big-budget Hollywood production and the other is clearly an indie film. We're going to close out with film critic Tim Cogshell, who sums it all up best. A, lo a lot of Black folks, individuals, got nominated. A lot of Black folks didn't win, but got nominated. So, for instance, Spike got nominated in that, in that screenplay category. And... And sometimes, and the same thing with actors, uh, you know, sometimes performers, Denzel being nominated, Morgan being nominated, uh, sometimes performers are able to do a thing that people in more administrative positions, producers, the directors, all that kind of stuff, can't do. Those writers, when they hear or read or read that, that Spike Lee screenplay, if you are a sincere person, you know that this is a brilliant screenplay and you're gonna, you're gonna nominate that guy. Again, actors, performers, they, they, they have the ability to look up at those performances and just simply recognize it, you know, and, and it, this has been true of, of, of Denzel's entire career, uh, uh, you know, where he's just far and away, you know, there's just, there's no way that we can't see that this is extraordinary, for Morgan too, for that matter, Viola. And so I think that some of that has to do with that, um, at, you know, the actors, writers have always been a slightly bit more egalitarian than those folks in those power positions uh, you know that's how I feel and Denzel won yeah beat Brando and you know hey look um, 
Black folks have been of two minds about this. Of course, the next time Denzel wins, it's for training day. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the, the, the bug, of course, was, you know, they give Denzel uh, two Academy Awards. One for getting beat as a slave and another for being a crooked cop in the black neighborhood. You know, and for Philadelphia, he's playing that lawyer, you know, the yeah. lawyer. So, you know, even in the, uh, I think it was the Pelican Brief or something like that, he played this uh, muckraking reporter, you know, with Julia Roberts and and, uh, and all, all of these amazing performances. But he gets the beaten slave and the dirty cop. Uh, and and look, man, I don't know if Hollywood, if the Academy is goes that deep in terms of it, sort of like, you know, uh, but... It has always bugged me that he gets the slave and the dirty cop. Those are the two Academy Awards Denzel got. That's and I know I'm not the only the only the only No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? Uh he he did not win a BAFTA. The Brits will not yeah. give yeah, Denzel. They will not give him do when he plays when he does shake. They just won't do it. They won't do it. Look. I gotta tell you, that started to piss a brother off over here. Yeah. David O'Yellowo, I love me some David O'Yellowo, and all these other young black British actors, they come over here, they do the thing, we let them have their props, you know, playing Martin Luther King, you know, and all this kind of stuff, okay, fine, gonna let you have a thing, but they will not give Denzel his props, and he is always brilliant when he when he does Shakespeare, in whatever yeah. context, every time, but they won't do it. And yeah. it's funky, it's funky, I don't like it, I don't like it at all. Despite BAFTA's funky introduction into how nice they're not, 1989 seemed to usher in a new era of acknowledgement for Black performers not named Sidney Poitier or playing Poitier roles like days of old, such as 1983 Best Supporting Actor winner Lou Gossett Jr. of An Officer and a Gentleman fame. Washington is nominated for Best Actor five times between 1989 and 2021, taking home the honors in 2001 for Training Day. In that time, Morgan Freeman hears his name called five times as well between Best Actor and Best Supporting Noms, which he wins in 2004 for Million Dollar Baby. Meanwhile, Hollywood stars are made of their brethren nominees, such as Chiwetel Ejiofor, Daniel Kaluuya, Chadwick Boseman, Will Smith, Samuel L. Jackson, Forrest Whitaker, Jamie Foxx, and two-time winner Mahershala Ali. Not to be outdone, but underappreciated, Halle Berry danced the Monsters Ball in 2001 to a Best Actress win, while Whoopi Goldberg, Jennifer Hudson, Monique, Octavia Spencer, Lapita Nyong'o, and Viola Davis captured Oscars for Best Supporting Actresses along the way. Spike Lee goes through his get off my lawn phase to grow into the grizzled indie auteur slash sage that the Barry Jenkins, Nia DaCostas, Jordan Peele's, and Ryan Coogler's of today need. He accepts his first Academy Award in 2019 as Black Klansman wins Best Adapted Screenplay honors. Usain Palsy, on the other hand, has only directed one other feature, the French musical Simeon in 1992, and a handful of TV projects between 89 and now, with none since 2011. In 2022, however, Palsy is recognized for making her indelible contribution to cinema and awarded an Honorary Academy Award. 
once again leading the way as the first black female director to be so honored. It took a minute for Hollywood to give her her flowers. Okay, a whole bunch of minutes. But you know us black people, we're going to still be here to get what's ours. Because no matter how dry or how white the season may be, black don't crack. We rise. That's it for this episode of The Class of 1989. Tune in next week for episode five, The Other Side of 89. The Class of 1989 is produced by Len Webb, Vincent Williams, and Mo Poplar. Written by Len Webb, Vincent Williams, and Maurice Poplar. Editing by Len Webb, with mixing and mastering by Chris Bonellio. Production help from Jordan Aaron. Marketing by Joni Deutsch, Matt Keeley, and Annabella Pina. Music by Alexa Gold. Art by Tom Grillo. Special thanks to Dan Christo. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and V. Pod Glomberg. Until next time, he's Vincent, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, We'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>